This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 307. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined today by Jacob Paulson, the man who is wearing the most sweetest, awesomest, coolest ConcealedCarry.com shirt in the world. Uh, it's not my favorite, but I'll take it. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, uh, in fact, we, uh, we, we've been putting out more and more apparel uh, on our site with our own brand on it. We were, we were kind of a little slow, I think, to... to jump on that ship um but uh we're releasing more and more all the time and super excited so today jacob is sporting i don't know what we call this shirt the big emblem shirt big logo yeah, I shirt i honestly don't know what it's called on i don't know this, on just, the side either. just as the big concealed carry.com well I, what i would call our shield logo or our hexagon logo um which you know what there's probably people because this was a debate between you and me jacob about that logo right the concealed carry logo and the logo has it's a hexagon shape which we liked because it looked kind of strong right kind of like kind of like a shield but without being a shield and then it's got a c in it that one's pretty obvious the first c the big blue c and uh, you know the letter c <laughs> blue c <laughs> yes c's are blue right uh so it has a it has a letter c but it actually has a second letter c and that one's less obvious because it's kind of made with a gun in a holster with a belt that yeah. forms the other C. So it never occurred to me until I, the first time I, I remember showing it to somebody and they said, "Why do you have a big H? What's the H for?" And I was like, "H? There's no H." And so I got to look really hard to see the H. But, I, I, uh, I don't see an H at all. I, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> somehow I hear that on occasion. Yeah, I don't know. I like it. I think the logo is pretty cool. But there's probably I, I you know I figured hey you know this is a good chance to just talk about it really quick and say, hey, actually, there's two C's in the logo. Concealed carry. Yeah, anyway. All right. I think it's a pretty cool logo. Today, folks, we are doing our Justified Saves edition of the, of the podcast. Uh, here we are on the first Tuesday of the month. And so under this new format, uh, we talk all day today about Justified Saves stories. And we got a, we got several really, really good ones. You know, a couple of doozies here. So we're looking forward to... Uh, Jumping into these, of course, we'll have the case of the week coming up here momentarily from Andrew Branca and Law of Self-Defense. A really great uh, analysis uh, from Andrew again here today. Uh, this one's titled, One Punch Equals Manslaughter and Wrongful Death. So we'll play that for you here momentarily. But first, today's episode is made possible by ConcealedCarry.com Apparel. And so we've got t-shirts, we, we have we have hats, you know, beanies, we got, uh, we also have hats, like, I don't even have the new hat yet, I need to go get one of those, uh, Jacob, but, uh, so we're, we're putting out more and more apparel, it's cool stuff, and, uh, you know, good quality, uh, made well, and uh, we're just proud to be seeing folks repping our, 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 our stuff, like, living the concealed carry lifestyle. Uh, yeah, spreading. and we're also open to ideas, so, so if you have an idea of something that would make for a cool shirt design, let us know, because we're... We're all ears. Absolutely. Yeah, and yesterday I was wearing the what we call the 2A Defenders shirt, and I wore that during the shop talk, and uh, I, I like that one a lot. So that's, that's a fun one. And then Mitch and I have been working on another idea, kind of a play on the Chicago Cubs logo. You know, you sometimes see people do that. They'll take the Chicago, the Chicago Cubs logo is a very commonly used one for this purpose, and you kind of make it look like it's a Chicago Cubs shirt. Not that I'm necessarily a Chicago Cubs fan. I just think it looks kind of cool, right? Because Chicago Cubs, you basically have, you know, this big C, right? And so concealed carry. So we're working on a design that hopefully will be ready soon that features that design. I think it'll be really, really cool. A lot of fun. Kind of like a, a hiding in plain sight, you know, homage to uh, concealed carry. Uh, and, and the Cubs, apparently. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'll just have some fun. Hopefully it'll be really popular in uh, Chicago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe maybe it will yeah i guess so. yeah, but more more to come on the apparel side uh yeah. we're definitely going to be adding more shirts more designs hoodies uh some other things like that absolutely um also today's episode is uh brought to you by i forgot the second one jacob <laughs> what's the second thing the second sponsor for today today oh h and h medical products that's what it was H and H Medical Products. Uh, we got a whole bunch of yeah. You're laughing. I know. I, 
<laughs> I just can't keep this stuff straight sometimes. You know, if we stuck with really simple sponsors, it would be simple and straightforward. You know, Guardian Nation all the time, 100% of the time. Anyway, sorry, H&H. H&H Medical Products. Uh, so we uh, we recently uh, bought and sold, or bought, bought and stocked in our warehouse a whole bunch of these medical products from H&H. Great company. They make some of the best quality stuff for the purpose. Uh, you can get their mini uh, compression bandage. You can get, uh, there's chest seals. There's all kinds of stuff uh, ready to go. H into- bandage, different tourniquets. Right. Uh, some, yeah, chest seals. You said that, yeah. Yep. All ready to, to go right into your your trauma kits. So uh, we definitely think that's a, a good thing to have. And uh, you, everyone at the very least should have a, a good quality tourniquet, you know, and everything else uh, is, is, is gravy as well. But uh, check out the uh, new lineup of H&H medical products on our website today. All right. So actually just had to restock some more of the mini compression bandages. Those were going pretty quickly. So anyway, uh, so that is our sponsors today. And as I mentioned, uh, Coming up here now, it is time for this week's Case of the Week from attorney Andrew Branca at Law of Self-Defense. So we are going to go ahead and play that now. Uh, Let's see, get that switched over. I'm a little bit slow today. Here we go in one second. Here we go. Hey folks, Attorney Andrew Branca here for Law of Self-Defense. This week's Case of the Week is a bit of a cautionary tale about a case that involves an insulting verbal exchange at a party in South Carolina that resulted in a single punch thrown by one man at another, knocking the victim down. The victim then left the party, dropped it home by friends. A few days later, the victim would be found dead in his own apartment, apparently from blunt force trauma to the head. The man who punched him was charged with murder and aggravated assault and ultimately pleaded guilty to involuntary manslaughter. He was sentenced to five years with that sentence suspended in lieu of three years probation. Of course, all that is just the criminal side of the matter. The puncher now faces a civil wrongful death suit. The complaint in that wrongful death suit can be found in the text version of this case of the week. And the legal defense to that civil suit is, as one might expect, self-defense. Now, the fight happened four years ago, but the wrongful death trial begins in a couple of months, hence the reappearance of this event in the news. So, an apparently drunken fight at a party appeared to have been simply, violently, settled with a good punch to the jaw, and the parties went their separate ways. Sounds simple, right? Except, of course, it wasn't so simple. Instead, it ended in an unnecessary death a manslaughter conviction, and now a wrongful death suit brought by the victim survivors. Again, I urge all of you folks, don't get into fights you don't need to get into. I frequently voice this caution against unnecessary use of force and urge instead the consideration of just about any alternative that's consistent with safety. And this case is an example of why I do that. The moment you go hands-on with another party, you've just incurred two risks you weren't incurring a moment before, a greater than zero risk of death and a greater than zero risk of spending the rest of your life in jail. And in the context of this case, a greater than zero risk of losing everything in a civil suit. It's impossible to reduce those risks to zero. We can train and educate ourselves, and we should, And we can do everything right in the fight. And by doing that, we can get those risks as close to zero as humanly possible. And yet the risks will always be greater than zero. Make sure the stakes you're fighting for are worth the risks. Is what you're fighting over worth potentially dying? Potentially spending the rest of your life in prison? Potentially losing every asset you spent a lifetime earning? Now, sometimes the stakes are worth the risks. Saving your life, the life of your family would naturally qualify. Saving the life of a stranger, perhaps. But after that, the list ought to get pretty short. Now, different people will draw that line in different places depending on their personal circumstances and their worldview. I'm the last person in the world to tell anyone else where to draw their own personal use of force line. I do, however, urge you to draw that line in an informed way in the context of both the physical fight as well as the legal fight. And I also urge you to think about these issues now. 
As a well-known defensive instructor has put it, and I'll paraphrase to keep things PG-13, when you're getting your butt handed to you in a parking lot is not the time to be learning how to fight, nor is it the time for deep thinking about under what circumstances you're willing to fight or for consideration of the legal boundaries of the use of force. These things winning the physical fight, winning the legal fight, when you'll be prepared to fight, when the risks are worth the stakes to you, must be considered and trained and decided upon, at least in a general sense, long before you find yourself in that parking lot. In closing, remember, folks, you carry a gun so you're hard to kill. Know the law so you're hard to convict. I'm attorney Andrew Branco with Law of Self-Defense. Stay safe. Hey folks, Attorney Andrew Branca here. If these self-defense law issues are of interest to you and you'd like a really in-depth understanding of them, you might consider attending our upcoming Law Self-Defense Level 1 Live online class. This is a full-day Law Self-Defense Level 1 class taught live by me, but streamed online to you at your computer, tablet, or smartphone. We use a webinar platform, so there's plenty of opportunity for Q&A. This is the only one of these scheduled for 2019, folks. It's scheduled for Saturday, April 6th, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Mountain Time, and we only have three seats left. So if you're interested in participating, even if you just want more information, I would urge you to point your browser to lawofselfdefense.com forward slash live online. One word, live online. Good stuff as usual from Andrew Branca. What's your take from all that, Jacob? You're muted, bud. I got you. Nope. I'll there stop. Try- I'll stop trying to unmute you. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, I didn't. I didn't want anybody to hear my clitter clatter on my keyboard <laughs> while Andrew was talking. So I had myself on mute. I, I think Andrew is, you know, especially focused on just the, you know, what is it worth it to you, you know, to engage in the fight conversation, which is certainly relevant and valid. I, I think that you know, from the legal perspective, there's also just this kind of core uh, reality that sometimes you know we make assumptions about you know the, the implications of our actions that are just wrong because there's exceptions. You know, right? there, there's often sort of this, uh, hey, you know, this is what I think is going to happen, or this is what normally would happen. But but sometimes you're going to be the exception. You're going to be the guy who remember our Santa shooter that we interviewed. You're going to be the guy that's such, such an exception that you can write a book about it. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's like, wow, like how in the world did this actually happen? Uh, so, you know, I think this is one of the situations where it's like, yeah, throwing a punch generally wouldn't, wouldn't really mean anything or do anything. But in this case, you know, this, this is four years later. and This man's life is still turned upside down. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, it's something we talk about all the time on the show about uh, even, even, if, even if you have the, the legal right to to do something, you know, to engage in uh, some sort of fight, if you will. Uh, even if you're in the right, like, doesn't necessarily mean that you should always do that, right? You know, so like, avoid. Yeah, we talk all the time about the duty to retreat or avoiding, you know, a situation, avoiding a fight. Uh, in most cases, for most people in most jurisdictions, they don't have to do that legally, but it's always still a better play. Uh, Pull yourself out of these situations where it's so tempting and so easy to get sucked into an argument. You know, you you almost like I always like to call it defending your honor, your honor, right? You know, so I the way I see it, especially amongst us guys, because I think we're guilty of it more most of the time, uh, or more of the time. There's like this, you know, ego thing, you know, this honor, like, oh, I've, I've been slighted. You know, this guy just called my wife this dirty name or or he just insulted me by doing this or he just cut me off in traffic. Like, we got to be the bigger man. I, I think it's being the bigger man, the more honorable man by avoiding the conflict, right? And and picking and choosing your battles and, and fight, fighting only the ones that are truly worth fighting. Yeah, I think that's yep. the way we, we, st- we keep ourselves out of legal hot water. Uh, so anyway, so, uh, real quick at the end of the episode today, I, I forgot to mention in the beginning that, uh, we'll be announcing a winner of our weekly giveaway, uh, today, a, uh, we're giving away the barrel block and Glocky trainer combo. So, uh, lucky winner will we'll be selected from all those that signed up at concealed forward slash podcast prize. Um, 
So we'll announce that winner at the end of the episode. So stay tuned. Stick around for that. All right. First story. Uh, this is actually a what not to do. This is not an example of a justified save story. Uh, it's kind of an interesting and somewhat hilarious story. A Detroit Great man. Headline. <laughs> Detroit man accidentally shot himself while trying to kill a cockroach, but it didn't happen how you think. It. <laughs> it's a great headline. So this dude shoots himself while trying to kill a cockroach. So how did it not happen the way we think? Well, yeah. you, well the visual is you would think he tried to shoot the cockroach. Right, and shoot you shoot your foot, right? Right, something like I, that. I don't know how this happened. So this happened in Detroit, Michigan. This guy is basically he, apparently he's like sitting, I don't know. Actually no, he's in a wheelchair. So is, That's what it was. Yeah. Yep. So he is sitting. He's in a wheelchair and he sees a cockroach. He grabs a shoe to throw at the cockroach. The problem in his shoe was a revolver. So he throws, he chucks the shoe with the revolver in it at the cockroach. I'm guessing missing the cockroach, by the way. And somehow that revolver discharges from inside the shoe and strikes the man in the foot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What the happened heck? To hit him in the foot. Yeah. A couple interesting things about this. One would be, how do we know all this? <laughs> Right, like, like I just tried to imagine, uh, you know. I guess he maybe this is the story he told, you know, investigators when they showed up. Like, oh, I chucked my shoe over there and forgot my revolver was. The second thing I do, that I would love to know that I don't know is, was he wearing the shoe with the revolver, <laughs> <laughs> or or did he grab some other random shoe that was nearby that had a revolver in it? E- either way, let's not put guns in shoes. I think that's my main. Take away, like throwing a shoe at the cockroach is probably acceptable, but, but keeping <laughs> a gun in your shoe, probably not ideal. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> I know what it's like to, to battle cockroaches. I oh, yeah. I lived in Japan and uh, in one of my apartments, it was pretty heavily infested. <laughs> yep. uh, I, I would just about do anything to be rid of the, of the critters. But yes, uh, don't go throwing guns or... Guns in shoes at cockroaches. Good, good advice there from uh, a lesson learned from this guy in Detroit. <laughs> Crazy story. I came across that and I thought, no way. Come on. <sighs> Still don't really know how it managed to fire. I mean, it must have been an older revolver is what I'm thinking. Pretty much all of the new ones, I think that'd be really hard to get a gun a revolver to discharge. Maybe the cockroach did it. Mm, the cockroach shot back. <laughs> hey, yeah. I remember one time I found a, a negligent discharge story when we were doing that negligent discharge study about the dog that shot the guy. Remember the, yep. the, the gun, the rifle was in the bed of the truck and so was the dog and the dog stepped on the gun that chart and shot it and it went through into the cab and shot the driver. Yeah. Whew. You know, that, that's a great point. And, and they're, yeah, that's, <laughs> you just got to watch for that stuff, man. Uh, all right, let's go now to Indianapolis. We're going to be there in a few weeks. In fact, Jacob and I are trying to finalize our travel to head there for the NRA annual meeting and exhibits, uh, the NRA show, which is, uh, what is that, like April 26, 27, 28th, I think, are the sure. dates. That sounds right. So if you're anywhere near the Indianapolis area and you have the opportunity to show up to the NRA show, you should do that. It's a great show, a big show. It's got lots to see. And uh, we'll we'll be there. So something else really cool to see. <laughs> Your dates were correct. 26, 27, 28. Sweet. Actually, I can remember some things and not others. Uh, so in Indianapolis, please say, home invasion suspect shot while wearing police vest. Can you give us the uh, rundown on what this story is about? All right. So you're at home with your family. Okay. You're just, you're just a chillin'. And someone knocks on the door shortly after midnight. So, you know, I got to imagine some people are asleep or something. And uh, he, this man has a tactical vest on with the word police marked on the vest. And reportedly he used a gun to quote, confine the homeowner and several other people inside. So I got to assume that he kind of forces his way in, knock on door, someone opens, look, I'm the police, got my gun, get out of my way, force my way in. And it says, you know, confine. So he's you know, restricting these people's movements. Won't let them leave. Uh, what you know? I don't. I don't know what he's saying. I don't know what he's telling these people. But uh, that's that's not good. So at some point during this little confinement, 
the homeowner, quote, pulled his own gun and shot the suspect. Uh, and after the homeowner used his gun to defend himself and his family, the bad guy flees the home. And later they pick this guy up and they also find the vest. He had ditched it, but they find the vest that he had used in the crime and also find that he had a two-way radio and some handcuffs. And so he's, he's facing some charges, not only of confinement, and, uh, but also impersonating a public servant and probably some other things to come. <clears throat> some, I'll get, I know there's a lot of interesting thoughts, but I'll, I'll point out one that's kind of semi-obvious, and that is this. If you answer the door after midnight and a man forces his way in at gunpoint and confines you and your family, you ain't got time to go retrieve the gun from the gun safe at that point. And so I find it interesting that it said, while these people were being confined, the homeowner pulled his own gun and shot the suspect. So maybe he did get an opportunity to kind of go into a different room based on, you know, maybe he was going to the bathroom. I don't know. Um, or maybe he just straight up was like, had his gun on him. Yeah. This is a really great example of us needing to really understand who it is we're dealing with, right? I mean, this is a tough one. So if you ever open the door and you see somebody wearing what appears to be a uniform with police on it, chances are you're not thinking this is a fake cop, uh, at least initially, you know, and, and and therefore you've got to take, you know, defensive actions against him. You know, I mean, I, he- I hear something like this and I think how many of us, might hear a story like this, and the next time we interact with a, with a cop, especially at our door, if we ever have one, if we ever had the unfortunate need for one to come to our door, which sometimes happens, even just you know if they're canvassing a neighborhood looking for somebody or uh, looking for witnesses to something that took place, but uh, you know my fear would be that I, I I would not think that an actual cop is is an actual cop and make a mistake there, and and particularly if you ever were in a situation you accidentally shot a cop. Uh, or mistakenly shot a cop, thinking he was a fake cop. That 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 would go very badly for you, right? So so here's what I take from this: is we need to be using great a great deal of caution. I think anytime we deal with anybody at the door, I suspect that's how this one went down. It doesn't really say very clearly how the man got in to the home, but I suspect it started as a knock, 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 police, and somebody went, oh, police are here, what the crap, and then they, they just opened the door and didn't actually take a, a good look at who they were opening the door to, didn't follow some of the uh, advice and and strategies that we give in our complete home defense course, you know, talking about, you know, only cracking the door open, keeping a foot behind it so they can't just push through as easily, uh, or using a peephole, using a camera, looking out the window. And then what should we be looking for? Well, we should be looking at them as an individual, uh, how they are dressed, if there's anything about this uniform that seems a little bit out of place, because almost every fake cop incident that I've heard of or seen, uh, they there's always something about how that office, that, that fake officer, that impersonation or the impersonator, there's always almost always something about how they are dressed that doesn't quite add up, something a little bit out of place. And you should also be looking for a vehicle. If you can see a vehicle out front, does that vehicle look right? Or, you know, is there something wrong about that? Uh, Asking to see ID, and that's certainly appropriate. You can crack the door open or you could talk through the door if you got a window that you can see and you could ask them to show identification. They will understand that, all right? So there's, there's a lot of things that I think we can do to be a little bit smarter about how we approach answering the door, especially at late hours of the night to somebody that we don't know and are not expecting. So, yeah, that's that's what I take from this. Yeah, I don't know that I have much to add other than just the shameless plug that this is something we talk about extensively in our Complete Home Defense course. And if you're too broke or think it's too lame to buy the whole course, it's an eight-hour course. You can buy just the DVD that we have for sale on our site called Door Ambush, which is less than $10 and covers this topic specifically. I saw, I've seen some conflicting statistics, but at least I've seen several sources that have said 85% of home invasions take place through the front door. So, yep. you know, we might often be thinking about someone who's breaking through a window or coming through the back door or, you know, whatever, but uh, 85% right through the front door. So securing that entry point and uh, also managing it when you have to manage you know, people at the door is a pretty critical skill. <laughs> And Matthew is making fun of me here. Not not Matthew Marister, uh, different Matthew. He says, Riley, who is it? Bad guys. The police. Riley. No, you're not. 
Apparently, he's seen the video. He's seen the video. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if it's not clear, you know what's going on there is that I'm using uh, the the idea in that in that example is that I use a camera that I could check on my on my tablet and I could see that they're not cops, right? And so I uh, so I, I I knew they were not. Um, and I took up a defensive position. But we also ran that scenario where I don't check the camera or I don't have access to a, a way of verifying who's at the door and I get totally, like, I get, I just get hosed, you know. I, as soon as I crack that door open, uh, our bad guy, who is our social media manager, Mitch, just, just comes rushing in and I can't do anything to defend myself. So, yep. Uh, our homes, you know, are, are our first line of defense, uh, you know, in, in these types of situations. And, and we need to make sure that we don't allow anybody to have that opportunity to even come in in the first place uh, <clears throat> if we can if we can help it at all. Mm. All right, next up. Uh, this happened in El Cajon, which is near San Diego in California. Man shot in El Cajon had attacked off-duty security guard, officials said. So this, this one's confusing to me. I, I, I've read it twice and... Everything seems to make sense until you get this little detail at the end, which kind of for me doesn't fit in the narrative. I, I'm confused. I, I agree. It's it's a little bit difficult to follow. So it sounds if you as you're reading the story, it almost sounds like this whole thing starts with an attack on an off-duty security guard. But I'm thinking it starts as some sort of property crime, right? Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, I must have. Cause, I mean, at the very end, it says uh, that the guy was in the car taking things. Yeah. And then it says the man realized someone was stealing items from his car. He ran back to his motel room to grab his gun. Yeah. So, yeah, here, here's how I put it together, Riley. And, and again, a little bit of reach here, but we're at a hotel. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a, a tenant, right? I have a hotel room. I see someone is breaking in, is in my car taking things. So I run back to my hotel room while I'm gone fetching my gun. I think uh, a security guard maybe confronts this man or there's some sort of confrontation between the car burglar and the security guard and it, the security guard is overwhelmed. He gets in his own, in his own car to, to retreat from the, the criminal. The criminal tries to break in the windows to, to be able to access and get to the security guard and, and uh, purport, you know, maybe do him some damage. The security guard ends up after just driving off in order to get away from the incident at this point, the bad guy then turns back and is confronted by the man who originally went back to his hotel room to retrieve the gun. That's 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 what it sounds like to me. So, yeah, folks, okay. uh, you know, this probably sounds really confusing to those listening. The way the story story starts actually just starts by explaining how uh, there was an attack against an off-duty security guard. Okay, and uh, the security guard tried to pepper spray the suspect. That did not work, and that's absolutely true. Like pepper spray. Some people put a lot of faith in pepper spray, yeah. but it it doesn't always work, and it's not always effective. Like some some people, for whatever reason, are just more immune to the effects of uh, of of pepper spray, right? So anyway, just know that. And the same is true with tasers. You know, cops use them all the time, and most of the time they actually work pretty well. I'd say most of the time, right? But there are those few individuals that they just don't work well on, or they fail to get the probes deeply enough, you know, through the clothing or into the person's uh, skin to have the effect. So, those less le- here's the thing about less lethal options: almost every less le- less lethal less lethal option has some measure of or some quanti- quantifiable, you know, like there's there's statistics on this that every option pretty much has a failure rate. Same is true with guns. Like we can shoot people. It's like uh, who did I have on the podcast recently? Right from Chicago, um, uh, Tim Grammons, Sergeant Grammons. Right. He he shot this guy. He was in the shootout with this guy. He, he shot him like fourteen times before this guy finally stopped his attack against this cop. So there's always this fa- this chance for failure from all these various tools we might use to defend ourselves. Either anyway, this security guard used pepper spray, but that did not work. Here's what I like about the security guard. He then got in his vehicle and locked himself in the vehicle. The suspect then tried to break two of his car windows, and the security guard got away by just just driving away. He got yeah. himself. He extricated himself works. from the situation. You know, he really. So it does. If you go for you know deeper into the story, then it starts to explain that there was this 
you know, breaking into a vehicle and this person saw this and they went into their hotel room to get their gun and they went back apparently to stop this theft. Those tactics are questionable, by the way. The, 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 you know, and then also the security guard, assuming he saw this going on and decided to intervene, you know, he, he took a risk by involving himself, but he made some wise tactical decisions by using a less lethal, less lethal option when apparently this guy didn't really have a, a weapon that we know of. And then when it wasn't working and things were getting out of hand, he just simply got himself out of there. So the big thing now, though, is that the man, the other man retrieved a gun from his motel room, went back, and it says that when this car thief started coming after him, he then shot and killed the man. Mm-hmm. And that could be a little, a little bit questionable. Uh, I could even I could see the potential of this resulting in some charges, but potentially even okay. So probably not, but it's possible. And doesn't say anything in the story was whether they are looking at that as being any sort of criminal act of, as far as the use of the deadly force. But we yeah. do, we, we do need to keep in mind that th- that that kind of tactic is is questionable at the very least yeah. to see a robbery or not necessarily a robbery that's that's a crime against a person but to see a break in into a vehicle and go oh I got to go grab my gun so I could stop this this break in that's that's not really what having a gun is about yeah I think I think the tactics are probably poor right if if I go to retrieve the gun because someone's breaking into my car and then I choose to leave said hotel room and approach said person that's that's relatively poor tactics but I suspect the person's probably you know legally justified because you know, moments before the criminal you know attacked the hotel tenant, he was trying to break through glass to hurt a security guard. So, so I suspect that in that context, you know, it, it, he's probably relatively justified. But uh, the tactics were not ideal. Right. Cool. Um, good stuff there. Again, be be mindful of involving yourself in other people's problems. I'll, I'll add one other thing. Sorry, um, just about the context of the of the place. We know we're at a we're nowhere at a hotel, and we know there's a security guard. So I suspect it's a hotel that doesn't isn't in a great part of town. Uh, you know, I'm a pretty cheap dude. Riley will tell you when we when we travel, I look for you know cheapest accommodations I can get. But uh, you need to understand that you know your your average you know insert city name here you know inn and suites you know or, or motel whatever you know insert number here. It's probably putting yourself in a more dangerous position than than some of the other alternatives out there. So sometimes you do get you get what you pay for when it comes to a hotel or a motel, and uh, oftentimes you, you're really not in the best part of town, and you need to think about that because these, you know, when we get to choose where we buy our house, we, there's a lot of things we get to choose, and we also get to choose where we stay at night. Yep, yep. Turning now to Houston, Texas, man kills suspected robber during sale of PlayStation in North Houston. Police say. And basically starts with this man was uh, arranging, he had arranged to buy a PlayStation through the online uh, meeting or selling app called Let Go. And that uh, sale went south. Uh, Jacob, take it away. All right. So you're sitting in your car in a parking lot of an apartment complex and you got, uh, you know, I suppose you you got your PlayStation or you think you're going to buy the PlayStation. And... Uh, okay, that's it's the buyer. All yeah. right, so you think you're going to buy a PlayStation? Yeah. So you you're you're pumped. You're going to get a sweet deal on a PlayStation. You're sitting in your car waiting for the the seller to show up. You're doing your thing, chilling, probably listening to some tunes. And what do you see? You see a man uh, approaching you. He's walking toward you, and he has a mask on, and he's pointing a rifle at you. So that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's like whoa, like crap kind of thing going on, right? So, according to the news report, the man in the car, the good guy, quote, pulled out his own gun and started shooting because he thought he was going to get robbed. So, in that one sentence, we get a lot of going on here, but I'll come back to it in a minute. It does say the suspect was shot and killed, and it does say that the uh, the buyer, the good guy in this case, was a licensed concealed carry holder, and somehow that is relevant enough in the eyes of the journalist to put this in here. And uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of the rough, rough of the story. Now, Riley, I know you have a couple things to, to throw in here. So I'll just, I'll start with this. The, the reaction time is interesting, right? Man's walking toward me with a rifle. So this is what you got to think about, right? In that moment, do, you don't know, is this person trying to steal my car? Is this person want some cash? Is this person just straight up going to shoot me in the head and walk away and laugh later? Is this a complete psychopath? You have no idea. So I, you know, it, it's a, it's one of those tough ones where it's hard to imagine exactly what you what you would do. Would you draw and just immediately start shooting? Would you draw and be at the ready? 
Uh, in this case, it says, you know, he pulled out his own gun and started shooting. Uh, as far as I, I can tell, the way I read it, the BG never got a shot off. The good guy did all the shooting. And, uh, you know, the, the BG is dead. It's done. It's over. Bad guy, you know, zero. Good guy, one. So I think that's kind of interesting just in that context of thinking through, you know, you have very limited reaction time and you don't know what what that person's intentions are. Yeah. Boy, I'll tell you, when I came across that detail in this story where this man's waiting in his car, he's waiting to, you know, to meet up and to do this deal, and a masked man walks up and points a rifle. It doesn't say what kind of rifle, so we don't know. I mean, it could have been a bolt action for all we know, but it doesn't really matter. Uh, rifles, statistically speaking, are used in a very small percentage of crimes, right? Uh, so this is this is pretty unusual, uh, but it for sure is going to get your attention. Boy, I, I, that just... Oh man, things got serious and they got real, real fast when this guy walked up with it with a rifle, right? Uh, so that's a that was a gutsy move. Now, what's amazing about this whole situation is that the good guy was able to draw his gun and he was able to to shoot this bad guy before the bad guy could shoot him. Like that's amazing. Uh, I'll tell you. I mean, you're talking about beating somebody at the you know to the draw. But this other person's already got their gun out and pointing at you. That does that doesn't really work. The math does not work in your favor to have somebody already drawing and pointing their gun at you, and you've got to go through the process of probably clearing garments, grabbing your gun, completing that draw stroke, and pointing at them and pulling the trigger. Right. So in these kind of situations, and we talk about this, you know, fairly frequently on the podcast as well. Uh, we certainly talk about it in a lot of our classes we teach. You've got to create or look for an opportunity to be able to do that. If that's if if you've decided that is your best course of action to you know by going ahead and using deadly force in defense, uh you then you're not going to win that fight when they're already, you know, they've already won 90 they've already gone 90% of the way. All they have to do is press the trigger at that point, right? So you've got to either create an opportunity or or look for one is is what I would say about this type of thing. And we don't know how this went down. We don't have any video. We don't even have a whole lot of detail uh, from, you know, the exact situation and how, how it happened. But that's what I would say. Look for or create an opportunity for it, you to uh, It's draw. interesting that we just kind of transitioned from a story where that security guard got in his car and drove away to avoid a situation. True. Now we're in one where the person chooses that the best course of action is to fight, you know, not, not to flee, probably based on purely on time. Uh, and, I, and I do think that, you know, there's so many just little things that your mind has to process so quickly. You know, the guy's wearing a mask. Uh, he has a gun. He's walking toward me. Like, the, you know, the, the pretty indicative that he certainly isn't up to, to any good. You know, what his intent is may be hard to say, but he's probably not up to any good. Uh, you know, at this point on the legal, from a legal framework, this person's not been charged. It says the investigation's ongoing. Um, but, you know, my gut feeling is that that should be legally justified. If a man with a mask and a gun walks up to you and you you start firing, I think you're probably pretty safe, um, you know, barring some other some other context and details. Yeah. Here, here's a question, Jacob, I w- I'd like you to address, because uh, I think this is something worth talking about at this point. Uh, but Steve here comments, that is an example of having a good car defense holster like Alien Gear has, which... I will say that as far as these car holsters go, that's a good one. I think you know it's certainly it's light years ahead of a lot of the other crap I see on the market, including those those magnets. You know where you just magnet your your gun underneath your dash or something. I'm not a fan of those at all. But but you know, tell give us your thoughts on a car holster, Jacob, as opposed to like on your person. Yeah. I, this is one of those topics where I'm very careful about how I approach it because I got some strong feelings. And if I pour out my feelings too much, I'll catch some flack from some of you. So here, here's where I'm at. I think it's very rare that those holsters make any good sense. <clears throat> now, there's a lot of contributing factors, but let me, let me try and just lay this out as concisely as I can. Um, the biggest downside to, to transferring a gun to a holster when you get into the car and then transferring it out of that holster is the potential of you just forgetting it. You know, I get in the car, holster up, uh, and then I just get out of the car at the grocery store and walk in. Now my gun is left in the car. I think that that's a serious concern that you should have. Um, Now a person might say, well, no, 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 I I, I have a different gun, a gun dedicated to the car holster. Well, then now I have a problem because I don't think it's very secure. Uh, You know, I've never seen a car holster that's, you know, really 
locked, secured in a way that if someone breaks into the car, they can't get the gun out. If it is, then I don't know how you can access it quick enough to make it worth it. Uh, now you might say, well, I, I'm just going to be really good at building that habit, so I'm going to transfer the gun. To now, the other, then here's another concern. What about the safety concern? Just the mere you know, amount of administrative handling you have to do every time you get in and out of that car, you have to administratively you know, pull a gun out of one holster and move it into another. You're opening up a lot of opportunities for negligent discharge in an environment that's not, not ideal to, to be doing that. So I struggle with that from a safety perspective as well. You might say, well, I use this you know, type of holster where I don't actually have to remove the gun from the holster when I transfer it from here to here. Okay, but we still have to worry about those other things I was talking about. Now, I, I do know people who they basically drive for a living, right? They're, maybe they're, they're cross-country truck drivers or something, and they're in the car a ton. And so for them, it's, it, there's, it's sort of I get in the vehicle, and I have a series, almost like a checklist of things I do. And when I get out of the car, I have a, seri a similar checklist of things I do. Okay, that starts to get to a point where we it starts to make some sense to have a car dedicated you know, carry system. But then we start talking about some of the quality factors. And, and you mentioned the magnets. I, I, I worry about any sort of you know, vehicle mounting you know, holster thing that is, is, is not secure enough that if I get in a serious car crash, uh, that my car is going to go bouncing around, or that my gun's going to go bouncing around in the car. Uh, I, have, I have a challenge with that. So uh, the magnets, they, you know, they're just not strong enough if, you know, when someone rear-ends me doing 30 miles an hour to keep that gun from bouncing around. Uh, and similar to you know, when you throw guns at cockroaches, you know, when it bounces around the car, it could discharge. At the very least, going to make it a lot more difficult to access. So I think those are all some things to consider. Now, one other thing that I'll, I'll say that is part of the consideration or something you might think about is how you carry. So if I, I carry appendix most of the time, and if I carry appendix, then my ability to access that gun and present it on target while seated in the vehicle is arguably faster and easier than those than most of people who use an actual dedicated car holster. I bet I could beat them to the draw. Uh, but if I carried a gun at smaller back, six o'clock or something like that, yeah, that would change things. Then, you know, my speed of access is going to be arguably greater if I have the right kind of holster somewhere in the car. So anyway, I think there's a lot of varying factors, but but I generally kind of lean against it as as a solution for most people every day. Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with everything that Jacob said. Uh, I'll just add that I've responded to the scene of uh, several, uh, you know, over, my, over the course of my life, I've seen several pretty bad car accidents and uh including rollovers and i'll just say this much if you think something is secure and not going somewhere in a vehicle during an accident that is bs right there because if you've ever been on the scene of of a of an accident stuff goes everywhere and that stuff goes everywhere on the streets and on the roads too if your windows break which they usually do you're I'll just say, I, so I had I actually had a friend that was in a pretty bad accident, uh, probably about five years ago, and I didn't see that one, but I, but after the fact, so his his wife got hurt pretty pretty good, you know, she she ended up coming through it okay, but uh, and he was fine, and they had a little girl uh, in their vehicle, and she she was fine too, so uh, that you know they they really were very fortunate, but they had actually rolled over the vehicle. And he just asked me if I could help him go up. It was up in the mountains here along I-70. He asked if I could go and help him uh, retrieve some stuff that they knew had fallen out of the vehicle along the side of the road. We found stuff everywhere along the side of the road. And in your gun, it will end up somewhere. And it will probably fly out the window. And you may not. Cause there, was stuff, there was stuff that we could not find of my friends. We looked you know, along, and it was kind of sketchy because we're right alongside the interstate, but we were trying to find some some valuables and different things, you know. Some of it we could not find, either because people had already picked it up or it just couldn't be found because it had, you know, I don't know, there was bushes and weeds and all kinds of stuff. So anyway, the point is, during an accident, stuff flies everywhere. Uh, I Even a holster that says it's got retention for the purpose of keeping it in there while you're, even if your vehicle's in an accident, I'm not convinced that it would actually succeed because the forces of those accidents are just phenomenal. Uh, what, what the vehicle goes through and what we go through, our bodies go through when we're in some of those accidents. So it's just a little bit of uh, perspective there. Um, I prefer the uh the the gun on my on my body on my person and i like carrying appendix one of the big advantages of a carrying appendix is because of the speed and ease of access while seated in a vehicle it's i frankly it's the best way to access a gun so anyway yeah i i'll just leave it with with one last thought and that is that um 
I'm not I'm not trying to disparage any company that makes a vehicle mount holster. Some are definitely better than others. Um, I am I'm merely suggesting that there's a time and a place for that kind of product. And most of the the times that people think it's a good idea, it's not. And so I, I you know, it, it has appropriate situations, sure, but um, the way they're generally marketed or thought of in, in everyday normal general use is probably not good. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Final story. This one is out of, I forgot where this one's from. It doesn't even say on the, uh, the title here. So, oh, well, uh, in the big bear area. Now that sounds familiar. Big bear. Is that in California? Well, when I first saw the headline, I assumed that there was a bear. I know, right? Uh, yeah. The, head, the headline is, oh, husband dies in struggle for gun with wife near Big Bear. <laughs> and it, I, think it's, I think it's in California. It's yeah. Sam. But yep. uh, I, when I saw that, I was like, what? The, this is crazy. What, what, what was going on at the bear? But no, it's the name of the area, Big Bear, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, I just looked it up, and that's that's correct. Oh, I see here, San Bernardino County. Yeah, uh, I knew that sounded familiar. So this uh, basically this is a domestic incident. Uh, this was an estranged uh, husband and wife. Uh, he came over to her home uh, late one night and uh, was threatening her. Uh, and uh, during the course of that, they struggled for a they struggled or fought over a gun. And fortunately for this woman, she was able to to gain the upper hand, and she. Uh, shot you know well and it could have been an accident too or as they're you know both fighting over or whatever but uh the husband was shot and killed um so you know there's all this talk right now jacob of these red flag laws right and the whole idea of these red flag laws right is or one of them is you know a person a family member or whatever can report a fellow family member or spouse or partner or whatever and say hey they're they're not safe to have a gun, like they shouldn't have a gun because of X, Y, Z reason, right? Mental health, uh, domestic violence, whatever. And uh, that would result in a seizure of those weapons from police or by police. And so, you know, one of the examples that's used with these red flag laws is these domestic violence type situations, right? This is a situation though, where that wouldn't necessarily be the case where, you know, this guy is already out of the home She's now in this home, right? And it sounded to me that I don't know whether he brought the gun with him to threaten her with or if she had the gun there, but they ended up fighting over it. I guess it actually doesn't really say. But yeah, either way, is- like the fact that, I mean, there there are people that would have us give up our guns and this woman would be dead, right? So uh, you look at... Uh, uh, and it, it does specify that he broke into the house. I think that's a relevant thing. He, she didn't let him in. They weren't in a conversation. He broke into the house. So he forced his way in. So he's a very clear aggressor in the situation. Right. It's, it's not an argument that went south. Uh, he broke into the house. And uh, to your point, I mean, I don't, I don't know. My, my gut feeling is it was her gun um, that she tried to retrieve. Uh, but I, I, I don't know that. It doesn't say that specifically. He might have brought the gun with him. But let's just play out both scenarios. If, if it was his gun and he brought it with him, then, you know, wow, like what, what strength of mind to think, okay, dude's got a gun. I got to win the fight over that gun right now or else we're going to be in serious trouble. Uh, you know, reverse it and, you know, okay, if it's her gun and someone breaks in the house, she retrieves it. Good job having that gun. But, you know, what happens now when he just charges you and starts fighting you over that gun? Um, you know, we, we got to be ready to do what needs to be done. There's no point in presenting that firearm if we don't, if we're not prepared, you know, emotionally or whatever it might be to, to fire the, you know, the bullet. I mean, they are good de-escalation tools, certainly, but, uh, when we only intend to de-escalate and then we put ourselves in a situation where now we're fighting over that gun, you know, you, you can get shot with your own gun. We've had those news stories on this podcast before too. So absolutely. Yeah, you know, either way, it worked out okay. And, and the way I read it, you know, the the way I read it, the BG is the husband who broke into the house. And so yeah. the good guy prevailed, uh, the good gal in this case. But yeah, things to think about. You know, again, about the red flag thing, right? Here, here's one of my concerns about those laws as it relates to this situation. Let's suppose that this husband and wife, you know, they, they broke up, they broke things up off, they separated, whatever. And maybe even the wife, via the red flag law, 
you know, reports her husband and he gets his gun seized. But maybe as almost like retaliation, maybe, and you know, because sometimes I'll tell you, some of these domestic situations are very messy, right? And, and both sides will say things about each other, true or untrue, right? And so whether it's re- a retali- retaliatory uh, response or not, maybe the husband, uh, you know, files a report. And here's the thing with those, a lot of those red flag laws is an ex parte hearing is, is held, meaning the person that is involved, the person that's being reported is usually not a part of that, right? A judge reviews things, reviews an application, maybe talks with law enforcement, whatever, and boom, like next thing you know, police are showing up and they're seizing your gun. And then you got to go through the process of having an official hearing where you defend yourself and, and state your case. And it's determined whether this, uh, this red flag, uh, uh, seizure of your guns is, 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 is going to stay in place or not. And that could be two weeks, three weeks, depending on how the law is written in your particular state. As these things continue, they, they continue to get passed in other states, more and more states all the time. Colorado, uh, I don't know if Governor Polis has signed it yet officially, but it's going to happen. Colorado, just the Senate and the House both have passed our red flag uh, uh, bill. And uh, Governor Polis has already indicated he will sign, right? So yeah. so my concern is that the husband in this situation could have done something under a red flag that would result in this woman losing her guns because those domestic violence situations, those, those, you know, breakups of families and and marriages can be really messy and really ugly. And so something like that happens and maybe almost used as a tool. Is that possible? I wonder if it's possible that someone understanding this could go, Hmm, I'm going to file this report and that will almost automatically result in her losing her guns. And then she's defenseless. I can just go over and do whatever I want. Right. I don't know. I just wonder about that. Am I am I like totally like way off in in left field on this one or no I don't I don't think you're off and, and you know the, this is a challenge because I, I think what most people don't seem to to know or, or based on comments I see all over the internet is that most of these red red flag bills do have penalties for people who lie but the, sure. the problem is that sometimes nothing's provable like there's just no evidence one way or the other right so yes you're you're acting you know in perjury if you if you make a false report and say well, I think that dude Riley, he's he's a whack job. He's going to shoot people for sure. You know, someone should take away his guns. If I don't have any evidence to corroborate that, and I'm, you know, it, it comes out, you know, in the moment of the initial hearing or or post fact that I lied or I said things that weren't true, you know, I'm gonna, I'm criminally liable. So the law is is meant to have safeguards in place. But the problem is that some things just can't be proven. Oh, my my ex wife. Uh, you know, she, she keeps saying that she's going to, you know, shoot our kids and, you know, you know, I can say that she said things and who's going to say otherwise it's, it's my word versus hers. Right. So, so that's, that's the challenge as you get into these situations where, you know, to this point, you know, if, if she had had her gun stripped or if he had, you know, it, it, it starts to get real ugly and people are left without ways to defend themselves. And, and you can almost use, I mean, if you're going to go kill someone, by the way, like if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're so heck bent on aggressively causing harm to someone. I'm going to go break into my estranged wife's home and do physical damage to this woman. Do you think you're concerned about lying to a judge about what she may or may not have done or said in order to ensure that she's disarmed? No, you don't. You'll, you'll say whatever you got to say. You're planning on committing a crime to begin with. Right. So there's real, real opportunity there for, for legitimate potential abuse. Agreed. And as Bill just commented a moment ago here on Facebook, he said, criminal's going to criminal. <laughs> That's true. Uh, there was a comment here uh, from Rob, and he asked if we had any comment on SB 978, which is a bill in Oregon going through right now. And and Rob, I'll just say, you know, because that's not what we came here to talk about today necessarily, and also because we got to start wrapping it up, but it's a bad bill. No further comment needed, right? So, uh, but we'll probably also cover cover this or talk about it in our legislative uh, edition of the podcast coming up in a couple of weeks. Okay, so I just wanted you to know, Rob, uh, we do do a legislative uh, only you know version of the podcast uh, on the fourth Tuesdays of the month. All right, so that that wraps up our stories for today. Uh, great, I, I mean, interesting. I think uh, lots of things that we can learn from in these justified safe stories this week. So I hope this was helpful for you. Uh, yeah, be safe, be responsible out there, make good decisions, uh, do everything you can to be 
a responsible gun owner and concealed carrier, and also to use common sense that relates to your interactions with people, uh, to try to avoid trouble, uh, to stay away from you know places you shouldn't be, and uh, where possible evade or escape a situation, and uh, not try to be the hero or be you know the uh, vigilante you know type uh, lawman you know that's trying to prevent you know this guy from escaping and going and committing some other crime somewhere else, and then also. Be good to your spouses and partners, and uh, and in, in the event that things go south in those relationships, which they sometimes do, well, still be good to them, right? Like, let's not try to be. Oh, I hate I hate hearing about you know these uh, terrible, ugly divorces that sometimes happen. They sometimes happen. Sometimes it's not not our fault. Uh, sometimes the other person just goes crazy, right? But anyway, let's uh, let's let's be good people and good good, good concealed carriers. Uh, so, a re- quick reminder of uh, our apparel. Uh, that's uh, available on our site. We, we'd love for you to go check that out. Uh, I, I created a short link, Jacob. Uh, you can go to concealedcarry.com forward slash CC apparel. And if you don't know how to spell apparel, because it's kind of one of those words that's a little bit tricky, uh, you can you can go to concealedcarry.com forward slash CC for concealed carry, C-C-A-P-P-A-R-E-L. All right. And also uh, H&H Medical Gear, available on our site now. Really great quality stuff from one of the, the, the biggest uh, you know names in the industry for, for those kind of products. Uh, all available on our site now, so go check it out. Um, with that, it is now time to announce our weekly giveaway winner for today's podcast. And uh, Jacob, I've got something a little special here you know, for everybody on the podcast. I, and I think the clear winner is the second option. So I, I added to my sound cart a drum roll. Nice. Yeah, you like that? But I okay. think as we played around with that last week, that the for sure winner was a more gun appropriate version of a drum roll, which was Okay, there you go. <laughs> So uh, it is now that time. Uh, so here we go. I am pulling up here the uh, random, uh, randomly selected uh, winner selection tool, <laughs> and we are going to proceed now with our drum roll. Selecting this week's weekly giveaway winner. Follow that up with a nice little bomb explosion. Tina P. Tina P. Letter P. Not, yeah. <laughs> we don't divulge uh, full names uh, when we're doing the giveaway announcements. Uh, but Tina, last name starts with P. Uh, email address, not super specific. Last three letters, TAS at gmail.com. Uh, you are the lucky winner. This week, a barrel block and Glock E-Trainer combo kit. So a good little way to get started with dry fire practice, uh, particularly if you have a Glock. And if you don't have a Glock, well, find a friend or somebody you can give your Glock E-Trainer to. Or it's a really great ex- uh, excuse to talk to your husband or partner or, or whomever, or maybe there's nobody in your life, in which case you can make that decision all yourself. And uh, it's a great excuse to go buy a Glock. So... Tina, we will be emailing you and uh, getting your your details and info so we can get one of these uh, combo packs, uh, barrel, barrel block, and Glock E-Trainer shipped out to you. Your your choice of, of uh, Glock E-Trainer, whether the Type 1, Type 2, or Type 3s. Which, and Riley, uh, what can people win next week? Next week? So we are going to give away for next week a uh, big stick t-shirt, we call it. So that's the speak softly and carry a big stick, which is a quote from... Uh, President uh, Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt, right? And uh, so that's a it's a cool shirt. Uh, Jacob nor I are wearing it today, so folks can't see it. But I will be wearing it Thursday because we're going to also give away one of those during our Thursday episode this week. So for Facebook Live viewers, so yeah, looking looking forward to that. And guys, I can tell you that on a percentage basis. Uh, less than twenty percent of you who listen to these podcast, this podcast right now, will actually go take the time to enroll in these giveaways. So your odds are better than you think. Like every week, just go to consultcare.com forward slash podcast prize. You do not have to be live with us here on Facebook in order to win. Just go at some point between you know Tuesday and Sunday ish and uh, make it happen. Yep. There you go. Get signed up. 
congrats, Tina, and congrats to everybody else uh, that uh, participated, did not win, but you're all still winners in my book. <laughs> so with that, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.